0: We're all in this together. Um, you know, this is just a beginning here in the U.S. of this pandemic. Uh, we can see that in the numbers as they increase. But, you know, there's so much we can do ourselves and within our communities. You know, you don't have to go far. You don't have to do these huge, extravagant things like, you know, you have to have access to a 3D printer. You have to be doing this. You have to have, you know, sewing skills, you know, even just reaching out to a neighbor. if like someone's living alone down the hall um, and is afraid to go out or, you know, anything just simple as enough.
1: Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM and streaming at WERA.FM. This is Ed Malek and I'll be your host for the program tonight. Last week on St. Patrick's Day, my daughter and I drove from Vienna, Virginia to rest in Virginia to pick up some carryout dinner from one of the many restaurants that had closed its doors to diners. When we returned to our condo building, we entered the elevator lobby on the garage level and I noticed a handwritten note on the announcements board. The note read, if anyone needs groceries, supplies, or other essentials and are afraid of getting exposed to the coronavirus, I can run errands for you. The author included her phone number and email address, and she signed the note, Lindsay, your neighbor on the third floor. I was thrilled to see this simply a powerful expression of grace in the face of the emerging coronavirus threat. I had to call her and do an interview. So today we're joined by Lindsay O'Connor, who lives with her new husband and their dog on the third floor of my building. She joins me to talk about what compelled her to reach out to her neighbors, what she's hearing from healthcare workers on the front lines and to offer suggestions for how listeners might fill some critical voids in the healthcare system. Lindsay, welcome to Grace in 30. Hi, thank you. Let's talk about the note, why you posted it, what moved you to offer your help to your neighbors.
0: Yeah, and you know, the coronavirus is starting to spread even, you know, a week ago. It wasn't as bad as it was now, but seeing what was happening in other countries and knowing what was coming and knowing how high risk it was for um people who were older people who were immunosuppressed and i knew there were a lot of those people in our buildings um you know i wanted to figure out a way to do something uh to help them you know maybe ease a little bit of stress ease a little bit of fear through this time of getting essentials um as this virus started to spread
1: a lot of people are being urged strongly to stay indoors you know you're opening yourself up to some risk and you know sadly I don't see a lot of people offering help help like this in times that are not as dangerous. And now, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a great concern about coming across others who have the infection and then picking it up yourself. You're sort of acting boldly in the face of that. I mean, is this something you learned to do from your upbringing or where does this come from?
0: Yeah, well, uh, I have a public health background and I'm also in nursing school right now. Um, And yeah, I guess, you know, growing up, we always taught with you know, helping out each other, helping out the community. So it's really a mix of everything, but I'm kind of used to being within the community and being a nurse in school, you know, in in public health, you really put public and service first uh, before yourself.
1: So you mentioned being in nursing school, which is also really interesting. You you already got a bachelor's degree. You got a master's degree in public health, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. And so now you're in nursing school. So you're not doing this at age, you know, 20. You're a little Mm -hmm. bit old. And you made this decision to do this thing. It's I, I feel like it's a super noble profession. Why did you make that decision to go into nursing at this point in your life?
0: I was really, um, well, I was on the medical field track before um, thinking about medical school after under or during and after undergrad, but then got into public health. And after working in public health for a while, um, you know, I started one missing that kind of person-to-person interaction, working with people every day um, on that kind of one-on-one basis I really miss like the medical side of things, the more scientific side of things. Um, And I also wanted to, you know, get more of this medical background to be able to help more on the public health side of creating plans, creating policies uh, and nursing really was the best next step.
1: Didn't some of the work you did involve a pandemic preparedness
0: it was a little bit. So I worked at an association for local health departments, um, and one of my roles there was helping with um, plannings for pandemic preparedness. We had partnered with the CDC and a few of the local jurisdictions of um, getting partners together across their jurisdiction, um, not just the local health departments, but, you know, including hospitals, including, you know, things like uh, pharmacies, police, everything. So, and. That was part of our role was just kind of think through some of these pandemic responses.
1: How do you feel about the way things are going in America? I mean, clearly, in China, there was a delay for for whatever reasons in in the response to the virus, and there have been some issues here, and uh, you know, what did your training kind of tell you about what you're seeing now and what we could do better?
0: Yeah, um, you know seeing that this was coming you know even a few months ago. Um, It's hard to really ramp up things, I understand, from the public side without really seeing the full implications. Um, But there could have been more that we could have done, especially at the top level coming down um, a few months ago. But now, you know, it's starting to be taken more seriously. It's definitely taken more seriously. Um, The states, you can see governors now implementing all of these kind of calls to stay at home, closing all the non-essential businesses. Prohibiting any gatherings less than ten people or more than ten people. Um, so it's coming; it's there. Um, of course, there's a lot more we can do, such as um, the Defense Production Act um, to ramp up masks, to ramp up, you know, production, and to get the levels of PPE that the healthcare uh, providers and all the frontline uh, workers are going to need. Um, so you know, things like that can still be done, but I, it's really good to see these governors come through and um, start really taking this seriously and doing more for people, for the public.
1: Yeah, it seems to be a challenge for America. We're a big country. We're kind of rebels at heart, <laughs> <We're> <laughs> seeing ourselves as, as mavericks. And it just seems like there's a tremendous variation. I mean, people are on the beach still in California and people are in, on, on beaches or they had to be forced from the beaches in Florida. And yeah. it seems like when you have a pandemic like this, I mean, I'm just a lay person talking who who's watched a handful of videos, but uh, you know, once this kind of gets out of control in one area, it's easy for it to spill over in another area that's even, you know, still locked down and still being try- trying to exert some control. Is, is that a fair assessment?
0: Yeah, it kind of is, you know, with this virus, we know it's, you know, it's a novel virus. We don't have any immunity to it. The contagious rate is higher um, than what we see in general, you know, common colds, the flu. Um, and along with that, you know, it's more severe or it can be more severe, you know, not just to these high-risk populations like the elderly or immunocompromised, but it really is bad for any one of us, you know, with the fact that at least 20, 40% will be hospitalized. Um, you know, that could be anybody in any age. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's, it's getting, it's serious.
1: So you're, you're at what point in your training? I, I understand you're going to be graduating or you're at least planning to graduate in December of this year, correct?
0: Correct, yes. Yeah, so I'm about halfway through.
1: So there's some chance you could be enlisted. You're, you're training. My daughter told me that some of her friends, she's 25. She has friends that have done one thing kind of like you and gone back in back to school and are studying nursing. And you know, there's one girl in particular, She, um, I think she's one year away, a little over a year away, but she said that even she might get enlisted and because of the, the pressure on the, on the workers right now. And, and what we anticipate will be an increasing pressure. Mm-hmm. Is that something that could happen to you? And, and what are you hearing from your frontline counterparts, people that you you know that are actually out there working right now?
0: Yeah, um so for right now what I'm hearing, at least for us, so since we am only halfway through, um not quite on the list yet to be enlisted to bring in. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of healthcare workers that are being recalled back of, you know, if they retired or changed careers or anything, if they can kinda come back and help, there's the Medical Reserve Corps. Um you know, the public health services around, there's the National Guard UC being implemented. Um, But there is a chance, I know for some of the students that are in their last semester already that are already about to graduate, you know, there's could be a chance of them kind of being pulled on, um, you know, and then maybe they'll go from there depending how bad and how stressed the health care system actually gets since we're still kind of in the beginning of this.
1: So when you get your training, when you finish up with your schoolwork, you have to pass a test to get a license to practice nursing, correct?
0: Correct. Yeah, I have to take the NCLEX to get the licensure.
1: And do people usually just dive right into that after they finish their schoolwork to keep this stuff fresh, or do they take time to study, you know, maybe three or six months and then take the test?
0: Uh, Typically about a month. Um, Okay. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Yes.
1: And so the results are assessed fairly quickly and the license is issued fairly quickly, right? Right. Yeah. So what are you hearing from people I'm sure you have been working with and we're coming across, bumping into people that are already practicing uh, nurses and and healthcare givers. Are you you keeping in touch with any of those folks right now? And what are you hearing from them? Are they, are they starting to get overwhelmed or are they still somewhat in control? What are things looking like?
0: Uh, Right now it seems like it depends on the state, um, you know, where it's hardest hit, especially, you know, New York has kind of been, the epicenter at this point in the U S and they have been completely overwhelmed uh, for a little bit now. And, you know, but it's even across the country because there's such a shortage in PPE already. So that's like the mask, the gowns, um, the face shields. We're feeling it really across the country. So I know even here it's hard to find enough masks for the day to day, even on, you know, general regular, issues at the hospital, um, not even for these areas where they're coronavirus patients already, because there are obviously around here now and in our hospitals. Um, so there's already strain felt and it's probably going to get more stressed.
1: Yeah. It seems like what I'm hearing now is a lot of people are saying, look, if you, if you have symptoms or whatever, and it's, and you're not, I guess, in a high risk group or whatever, they're telling people to stay home. Right. they're doing that simply to alleviate the pressure on the system. So, right.
0: Yeah. So it's stay home unless you have um, shortness of breath. Um, you know, any like the more severe symptoms.
1: Yeah, I saw a picture on social media uh, that a number of Italian doctors and nurses had taken self-portraits, self photos of them after their twelve or fourteen hour shifts, and they all had bruising on the. Their nose and below mm-hmm. their eyes and on their foreheads from wearing these masks for extended periods of time. And uh, just, it, it was a really visual, visible way of driving on the point of, you know, how hard these people are working in yeah. difficult circumstances. You, you sent me an email earlier today, which I thought was really cool. I And, and just coincidentally, I was having a late lunch with my daughter and mm-hmm. um, we stumbled across a video on YouTube of, you know, there's, there's these guys out there that are creative and they're, they're hacking, solutions. One of them built a little respirator You know, and he used something called GitHub to do some coding and, and post the, the code he written yeah. there. And, and, and you had a number of things you were saying, hey, there's we, we need these things. You sort of mentioned them earlier in the conversation, or at least some of them. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of these things that you're seeing a need for and, and some of the you know, creative ways that people can dive in and help out. I mean, you mentioned the masks and people, sewers, seamstresses, whatever you call them diving in and, and making some masks right now, you know, what, what are the things sort of in the top of your list that, that you think people need in the healthcare profession and, and some of the creative ways that people can dive in and help, you know, create this stuff, yeah. build this stuff and, and send it to the healthcare mm-hmm. givers?
0: Yeah, it's been really great to see the crowdsourcing and everybody just coming together across country, across the world, even of, jumping in and saying, hey, how can I help? These are the talents I have. This is what I have at my disposal. What can I do? So it's been pretty amazing to see the humanities come out of this. Um, so some of it, like I said, uh, the face masks, there's already a shortage in PPEs. And so the CDC says essentially like in a crisis mode that home, basically homemade hand-sewn face masks can be worn um, as you know an alternative measure. And people are already creating some of these masks and sewing them from, I think, what's his name, Um, Soriano and Nike, like some of these top brands are taking their production and sewing masks. And then, you know, people just at their homes, they have a sewing machine, are creating them as well. And there are places they can send them. So there's some um, links for that going around already. The ventilators and respirators are going well, to be... Let's actually
1: um, talk about the face masks a little more because you sent yeah. a bunch of links. My daughter was a fashion design major. And so she's oh, done wow. quite a bit of sewing in her day. And I mentioned this to her and, and we were like, gosh, maybe we should just, you know, right away, she's like, well, I got to have this certain type of fabric so that they can breathe through it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, is, is there in any of your links? Do you have anything that they could point us to the materials, the raw materials that we could get? under these conditions and we can have them delivered here. And I could, you know, we could do the patterning, pattern making, she calls it. We could lay a, you know, a sheet of fabric out, do the patterns. I'll cut them, she can sew them. And, you know, <laughs> and we can make them for local hospitals. Have you come across anything like that? I know you've sent me things. I haven't had a chance to look at them, I apologize.
0: No, that's okay, yeah. Um, I was trying to find something that was, you know, a set type of fabric you can order from, you know, some like Jan Fabrics or some big company. But what I've seen so far is like tightly woven cotton um, to block anything from or more things from coming in as they're inhaling, but also to make it breathable. Um, The only thing I really saw in some of these links that I had sent you were things like they're kind of comparing household items where, you know, an old cotton t-shirt or a cotton blend t-shirt was one of the best things to use. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess fabric like that is kind of the top you know, one to choose right now. So
1: that's in some of the, you, you sent me a, a number of links. I think you, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was four or five links for the masks alone. And then you, and then you also talked about ventilators and you even mentioned 3D printers that certain components for mm-hmm. the ventilators could be made using these printers. What What are you seeing in some of the videos you're looking at with that?
0: Yeah, uh, I saw this probably about a week ago it was the first one, uh, two Italian engineers with 3D, or they had access to 3D printers, and they figured out a way to 3D print these pieces of the respirators that hospitals desperately needed. Um, for, yeah, I think they said like a dollar each, but of course they're donating them to hospitals. Um, so, and they're, you know, that's a way to just kind of jump in and using resources that are around to really assist in this pandemic. So, there's. It looks like there's other open source crowdsourcing campaigns going on. Um, there's one called Project Open Air that it looks like if you have the resources then you can sign up. Um, I can't get a lot of information on it. And there's also this worldwide 3D crowdsourcing, um, Google Doc essentially, where people are signing up, putting their information, their country, city, what they have to offer. Um, so it looks like there are people coming together and you know sharing I'm not an engineer and don't understand this side as much, but sharing, you know, kind of like blueprints or how to make this kind of stuff or ideas on how to streamline um, some of these other issues that they'll see in the ICUs and what they can do about it.
1: Yeah, this is, this is fascinating, something like this. I think of a, I can't remember his last name. I never can. I think it's Dean Kana. He's the guy who invented the kidney dialysis machine. He invented the Segway. He's a brilliant inventor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just, he's so successful. He, he helicopter, he flies his helicopter to work every day. Oh, wow. i keep wondering if people like that are, are sort of diving into this. And, and, I, and I invite listeners, I invite you, myself. I, my, my daughter went to Pratt Institute. That's a, a renowned school for industrial design. I know she probably knows some industrial designers that could get in on this, dive in and start doing this kind of stuff. So it is heartening to see, you know, in the absence of certain types of leadership and some of the stumblings that have occurred, you know, people to do th- things like this. One other thing you mentioned to me was uh, the Invisible Hands Delivery Service. And this gets a little, a little dicier because again, you're being courageous and stepping out and, and willing to to work with people, deliver food and whatever. It's funny, I'm here with two 20-somethings and one of them <laughs> from China. She, she was at one of the, the most famous school in China. I think it's called Xinhua and I'm probably butchering that name. And her school shut down in mid-January. And she had nowhere to go since she's a foreigner. She was sitting alone on campus, and the cafeterias were closed. So she's here, and my daughter's here, who has a couple of foot injuries, and the two of them are restricted in their movements. And I'm the older, I'm 59, and I'm going out and buying groceries occasionally and doing things, but I'm trying to, for the most part, stay here. So there's concern for people. Some people are like, I don't want to be the guy or the woman that goes out and gets, you know, food for someone. I'll do something else. But, you know, there is this way to serve if you're willing to go out and, and deliver um, food. I, I'm assuming the one thing that you found was the in, Invisible Hands delivery, correct?
0: Yeah, that was one of the things, just trying to look for more organized efforts, I guess, on how to volunteer and help around the community.
1: Um, and so is that something that, you, you know, if you didn't find people to help in the building... Because you're sort of on hold right now, right? You're you're doing your coursework, but you're not going into classes physically. You're not getting that face to face interaction, you know, with the patients or, or you know, some of your your fellow yeah. students. So you correct. have do you have more time on your hands right now, and you're you're looking to to kind of dive in and do something, correct?
0: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Have everything you- online. Clinicals have been canceled for now, and yeah, you know, since I'm not high risk, since I'm home a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's a perfect option to help others.
1: Have you thought about you know, just, just going to Walmart or Whole Foods and signing up for Peapod Giant and just simply getting a gig there and, and doing some of the delivery with those services?
0: Yeah, it's definitely an idea. Um, you know, I just haven't gone out to look into what is involved in that or what hours and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's an idea.
1: So it. I want to make sure that... Um, we got a bit of time left, but I want to get quickly to, to, so we don't miss it sometimes I time out in these interviews, and what are some of the most important things you'd like to share with listeners?
0: I think the big thing is just we're all in this together. Um, You know, this is just a beginning here in the U.S. of this pandemic. Uh, We can see that in the numbers as they increase, but, you know, there's so much we can do ourselves and within our communities. You know, you don't have to go far. You don't have to do these huge extravagant things like you know you have to have access to a 3d printer you have to be doing this you have to have you know sewing skills you know even just reaching out to a neighbor if like someone's living alone down the hall um and is afraid to go out or you know anything just simple is enough um you know just you can literally do just talk to a neighbor or ask them if they want help walking their pet Um, You know, or you can reach out to local charities, local nonprofits, uh, anything like that. You don't have to just sit around and kind of wait for this to go by, um, just being worried about others, but we can actually kind of help each other through this.
1: And it sounds like even if we choose to, uh, for personal reasons, whatever they are, we have an underlying health condition, we have whatever, that we can do things from home, you know, whether it's sewing something. Or organizing, you know, groups or something. We, we can do things using the internet and leveraging that technology, correct? Yep. Correct, yep. You mentioned, uh, I, I love this guy, Chef Jose Andres, just seems to be everywhere these days, you know, wherever there's... <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be pretty creative in, in um, providing solutions sort of tailored to uh, the crisis. And um, you found out some information about him, what he's doing to try to assist people... Um, I don't know if you can describe some of that. I think he's trying to sort of focus on workers who maybe have been displaced or lost their jobs, maybe are on the edge of, you know, not having sufficient money to pay for food. Are you aware of exactly what he's doing, or at least can fill us in on some of the details?
0: Yeah, I've been trying to read through um, some of the stuff on his website, um, the World Central Kitchen. So part of it is he's, seems like they're calling, you know, restaurant workers uh, pretty much a call to action to help with food relief in communities across the country. Um, so some of it on his website, they're showing some of the like school districts, basically, that are open and helping feed some of the students while they're out of class. And so many kids really rely on school to get meals. Um, a lot of them, you know, don't know where the next meal is once they're out of school. So this is a big, um, change in their, you know, day to day or whatever, but mm-hmm. so they have that. And they also, you know, trying to get more restaurant workers and service workers to help in these food relief efforts as people start losing their jobs, um, you know, and just all kinds of things I haven't seen, or I don't know exactly where yet. I know, I think they're doing it in California for sure, but another ramping up in other parts of the country as well so it could be something where you can volunteer with them or even you know even just reaching out to local food banks or food pantries uh soup kitchens you know that as well um is something we could be doing
1: well i think one thing that's that's interesting that you noted to me when we talked on the phone before this is that you you're recently married i mean you married your husband back in june correct correct yes so I got to ask what he thinks of all this. I mean, you guys made this, you, this decision to go into nursing, um, mm-hmm. you know, before there was a cor- coronavirus, before there was a pandemic. And, and now you're in it. He's, he's working. He's fortunate enough, from what I understand, to be able to, he's working at home. He still has his income and his job. And so, you know, we're, you were doing some weight, waiting on tables, correct? You were doing some work in a restaurant and that came to a stop because of all this.
0: Right. What is
1: what is his reaction to all this? I mean, he's got he loves you. He's got to be concerned with your health, and how how supportive is he? What is his view of you know you kind of diving into the pool here and trying to help out and all? What's 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 his, what are his feelings about that?
0: Yeah, he's really supportive. Um, even from the beginning of trying to go back to school at this time and day and age, um, but yeah, he's been supportive through all of it, and you know, he is. Happy with what I'm doing. Happy that I'm happy, and you know, is also there to help as well.
1: Okay, so so only good news, no issues. I know you had, <laughs> the other day you had an issue with your dog. You had to go to the vet, correct?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had a emergency thing with our dog. So, so you were forced okay. out
1: of self imposed isolation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to rescue <Exactly>. your dog. <laughs> Well, listen, um, we're, we're sort of timing out here. I want to thank you so much for joining us and, and for your decision to bring your passion and your public health expertise into the nursing field. I've, I've mentioned to you before, I watched my dad and my mom and, and my ex-wife, who I was incredibly close to, decline over you know extended periods of time. And, and some of the nurses we, we came across were just sent from God, unbelievable. Um, and so it's a really noble profession. And I thank you for what you're doing. Uh, if listeners would like to find out more about Lindsay's suggestions, I'm going to be posting links to resources on the dot 30com website. Uh, we continue to encourage listeners to contact us at Grayson30 on Twitter or at our website with stories about people serving and bridging the coronavirus, political, and other divides that separate us. Let's shine a light on how to behave and not how not to behave. A recording of this program can be found at the dot 30com and WERA.FM websites as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. This is Ed and Lindsay signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace.